Leading conversation on the Voice of the Cape, ninety-one point three FM. Welcome back, 0829-913-913. That's the WhatsApp line, and you are still in the conversation with me, Ibrahim Kangochwe, as well as Fasik Peterson. Now, coming up is the weekly Middle East report, and in this report, we look at the following. Palestinian mission in the UK says Prime Minister's failure to back ICC probe into Israel war crimes regrettable. Joe Biden pulling all U.S. forces from Afghanistan by 9-11. And Amnesty France condemns controversial French bill. Online for comment is political analyst at Middle East Monitor Nassim Ahmed. Nassim, salam alaikum and thank you very much for joining us. Alaikum salam, good to be here. Now let's begin with uh, the Palestinian mission in the UK because uh, Boris Johnson is adamant, he's saying uh, the ICC has no jurisdiction whatsoever in this instance to investigate uh, the Republic of Israel. Yes, I mean, it's strange. I mean, Johnson seems to think he knows better than uh, the court itself about what the jurisdiction of the court really is. So this really isn't about an opinion on whether the court has jurisdiction or not. The court knows whether it has jurisdiction or not. Uh, Johnson is really uh, pandering to the Israeli lobby here in the UK. Uh, the most prominent uh, lobby in the UK is the CFI, Conservative Friends of Israel, uh, uh, which has a number of prominent MPs, um, and, and they really um, do Israel's bidding within within Westminster. So uh, in response to a letter from the uh, Conservative Friends of Israel, uh, Johnson uh, basically said that, that ICC, we do not support the ICC's view that it has any right to be investigating Israel in Palestine over war crimes uh, committed in the 2014 um, invasion. Uh, so that, that's, the, that's the real backstory of that. Now, the ICC prosecutor, Ms. Fatou Bensunda, announced that's on March 13th, on March 3rd, that uh, the, the, the International Criminal Court will actually open the, an, an official investigation into these possible war crimes. Have mm. this process begun yet? Well, she, she, wants, she's, she wants to begin this before Bansuda leaves. Uh, she's due to leave in late July, but she wants to get the ball rolling. Now, there's an effort to uh, delay this process because uh, when she leaves, a new prosecutor will come in, a British uh, prosecutor, and there's a small chance, there's a hope that this prosecutor will review her um, you know, uh, investigation into Israel and may even, you know, put a stop or delay further. So that's the hope and that's the campaign, that's the game which the Israel and its allies are playing at the moment, uh, hoping that Bansuda will leave and, and this will basically be shelved. Uh, I hope not. I hope she, she, she does launch an investigation and when an investigation is launched uh, before she leaves in July, then um, I, I suspect, you know, you to claim any legitimacy it has to see through at least or else it completely lose all credibility so so that could mean probably why the british prime minister boris johnson is actually uh, making these uh, statements uh, considering that uh, his counterpart who is a british who will soon be the the prosecutor there yeah that's that's 
probably it. Uh, but also, I mean, he's under pressure to make a statement. The Americans have made a statement against it. Uh, the British have uh, followed suit, and a number of European countries have also made a statement um, opposing the ICC. But if anything, this just undermines whole whole system, doesn't it? You know, ICC is there to prosecute war crimes. Uh, it's supposed to be independent. Uh, over the last, you know, many decades or so, it's been pursuing African countries, African warlords and politicians, and never has it really pursued a European uh, a Western ally. And first time it's done this, a, a key Western ally, uh, we see what's happening. There's a concerted effort to undermine the credibility of the ICC. Um, ICC knows what its jurisdictions are, and it clearly has jurisdictions on in Palestine if, if, if the governing body uh, invites it to um, investigate war crimes within its territory. Even though Israel is not a signatory, the point is the crimes were committed within Palestine, and Palestine is a signatory. So it can investigate war crimes in a territory of a nation which is a signatory to the ICC. So what do you think this will mean politically, especially from the Palestinian point of view and their allies, uh, looking at... Uh, of course, the British will also galvanize, you know, much support probably from the European Union to ensure that uh, Israel does not pay for these war crimes. But in terms of political discourse, do you think the Palestinians have got the, the muscle to maybe pull out of uh, uh, probably maybe do some, uh, you know, diplo uh, diplomatic relations? Well, they, they will try. They will. The best they can hope for is... is, is to uh, lobby the ICC, but um, really, I mean, the bull has been, it's, it's really in the ICC's court at the moment, and the ICC has opened an investigation. Now, for it to close this investigation, it has to have legitimate reasons and grounds, or else it loses all credibility. Already there's a sense within African countries, uh, um, you know, um, countries in Latin America, who feel that the ICC is already compromised. You know, as I mentioned, uh, nearly all its prosecution has been on African states, um, not Western states. And so there's a sense that it's already compromised. And uh, for it to be a, an institution that legitimately uh, pursues, um, you know, uh, politicians and criminals for war crimes committed on, on a territory, it, this has to be seen through. If it doesn't, then it undermines its own, uh, you know, uh, credibility. A number of ICC officials, you know, officials who have retired said, you know, you, you cannot simply shelve uh, a, a prosecution once it's open. It's, uh, um, you know, an ICC is almost immune to this form of lobbying. If that is to be the case, then I, I hope, you know, it sees it through, it completes the work, and, and, and no amount of British-American uh, lobbying uh, will stop that. But, of course, at the end of the day, ICC is reliant on finance and funding from Western governments. So it, it, they can they can es escalate this. Uh, and I won't be surprised if they did escalate this and say, look, we, we may cut your funding because you are politically compromised. That's the argument they may use and say, we cannot trust you to be a neutral um, uh, you know, um, institution going after uh, proper war criminals, not Israel. Israel are proper war criminals in their view. So uh, that, that threat could be, could be used. Who knows? 
Okay, let's move to the U.S. Uh, Joe Biden pulling all U.S. forces from Afghanistan by 9-11, which you correspond to the 20th anniversary since the attack in 2001. I listened to the press conference yesterday. Uh, mm. Joe Biden saying uh, the U.S. will be pulling out of the out of Afghanistan. He termed it one of the longest war the U.S. has has, has been involved in. I'm not too sure what he meant by war, because we haven't seen uh, Afghanistan fighting with the U.S. Well, that's true. That's another way of looking at it. I mean, Biden calls it the forever war. Um, Americans call it the never-ending war. Um, But there's always been a never-ending war when it comes to the U.S. Um, But you're right. I mean, the, the, the Afghans have not been fighting the U.S. You, you may have a couple of militias here and there, but generally the, the Afghans haven't. And this um, this anniversary uh, will, will really be um, um, an anniversary of one of the worst from policy, even worse probably than Iraq, because this is what started it off. You know, the, the invasion of Iraq uh, came after the invasion of Afghanistan. And uh, if you recall, you know, what all the... Um, uh, uh, rhetoric was around at the time that we will depose the Taliban and um, um, bring in democracy and whatnot. If anything, the country is um, in, a, in, in a terrible situation right now. And from that moment, we, we saw I, I, um, uh, Al-Qaeda splinter into Al-Qaeda in Iraq, and from that emerged ISIS. So you can really draw a line between the invasion of Afghanistan and all the splinter groups from Al-Qaeda who the U.S. went into to destroy, and and from that rising of ISIS. So if anything, you have more instability from uh, the attack, um, from the invasion of Afghanistan. And and, and of, not to mention, of course, the $7 trillion that's been spent. Um, so... Uh, this, but this withdrawal has been coming. I mean, Trump um, initially set the deadline on, on, I think, May the 1st, and uh, when all U.S. troops would uh, leave Afghanistan. But Biden has pushed it back further to the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, I think maybe the Afghans will accept that, even though the Taliban said if the U.S., if U.S. troops remain after May the 1st, they will attack U.S. troops any remaining after that. But I, I doubt that would be the case. But but, but in the long term, though, there is a fear uh, of what happens to Afghanistan when a major superpower leaves. I mean, if you think about what happened to Afghanistan when, when the Russian Soviets left, left in 1980, uh, 89, I think, uh, I, I forget, 1989, 90, um, the, the country descended into tribal warfare uh, and chaos and violence. So, yes, in one sense, U.S. has been a disaster being there, but also on another level, if U.S. troops leave, um, the country has shown in the past that it can descend into uh, anarchy and chaos. So um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Now there was some scheduled talks uh, between the, the the Taliban and the and the government, which were scheduled for Istanbul. I think they were supposed to be held this week, where the Taliban uh, threatened to pull out. Now, in terms of the U.S. moving out of the Afghanistan, do, do you think this is just another ploy for 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 the American government actually to change the discourse in terms of uh, their their interests in in the Far East? Um. Yes, there is an argument uh, to say that the Americans don't really want much to do with, um, of course, Afghanistan, also the Middle East in general. And they want local uh, 
regional powers to take on the mantle and the responsibility of maintaining security. Um, that's partly because, you know, uh, America wants to focus more on China, South Asian, Asian Sea, and, and generally in the U.S., um, politically, uh, there isn't a support within American voters for foreign troops being in Afghanistan, being in, um, being in the Middle East. So, um, that's one of the reasons Saudi Arabia is more empowered. The UAE is more empowered. So the U.S. is doing, uh, maintaining what it has always done, but through other, uh, uh, you know, um, regional actors. Um, but the biggest threat, I think, it wants to focus on on, on China. Uh, but this war has has been controversial in Afghanistan. I mean, controversial and really doesn't have any support within the U.S. at all. So. Um, there's a general consensus with nearly every single U.S. president since, um, uh, you know, Obama that they really need to uh, withdraw from Afghanistan um, for domestic reasons, as I mentioned, politically. Uh, but I think that's that's the big, bigger, bigger, bigger issue. Domestically, it doesn't play well. It doesn't look good to the electorate. Uh, American presidents not being able to withdraw all their troops because this is, as I said, it's a never-ending war. They're, they're, they're sick and tired of American soldiers uh, fighting in Afghanistan and, and in the Middle East. But so it's a general withdrawal we see. We saw withdrawal from Iraq, withdrawal from Afghanistan, and that, that's part of that bigger picture that's happening. Let's get back to Europe again. This time, uh, the French government amnesty condemning uh, the controversial French bill. In fact, I just saw some new developments in the in, in France. Uh, the GUN, that's a, a far right wing organization, actually, it's gaining a lot of traction there in terms of uh, all these laws that are being amended in the in in France. Hmm. Yes, um, th this surely is playing to the um, far right, and I think that's one of the reasons. Uh, Macron has um, is pursuing this course. I think he knows he is in a you know weak position when it comes to the uh, French election. Uh, I think it's next year. So uh, he, he's basically saying that you know he's moving with the tide. He's moving with the fact that Europe generally has has moved, shifted more and more to the right, and and anti-Muslim sentiments are actually vote winners. And um, Macron, even though he's supposed to be a liberal, uh, he's now going to play the anti-Muslim card because I think that's probably his only way of uh, staying in power. Uh, so this, to me, is less to do with the fact that um, you know um, th th there's a real well, first of all, of course, it is it's racist and whatnot, but it, it shows the problems France is facing with its own values and uh, sense of uh, liberalism, uh, secularism, sorry, its own version of secularism. Um, uh, the idea that you can use secularism as a, as a way to uh, clamp down on people's religious freedom is, is abhorrent, not just to Muslims, but generally, I would say, in, in in Britain and in America, for sure, many Western countries would see this and you know think you know France is actually um, going in a direction which which is not really palatable to them. And we saw that I, I think you know throughout this debate, uh, even uh, in newspapers like the New York Times, you know, for example, took out positions took positions which were really uh, anti-French on this issue. Uh, the idea that you can um, uh, claim Secularism as your reason for wanting to clamp down on religious freedom of religious expression, especially when it comes to uh, displays of religious symbols like the hijab and the niqab uh, publicly. 
uh, in a country where, you know, the consent for sex is 15. And then you, you know, a woman can have sex at the age of 15, but she cannot wear a hijab she wants to. So that's quite quite a uh, odd place, um, odd position to take uh, in France. And lastly, do you think the Amnesty French will make any inroads in terms of uh, changing the discourse? Because what we see now, uh, the the French Senate is more dominated by right wing, and and these are the guys that are amending this stuff and, and these these proposed laws. Uh, unfortunately, no. I don't think this will have any any shift or impact in France. Um, uh, France is um, is moving more and more towards the right. It, it, the problem is the, the European community in general have moved to the right, and these uh, views, anti-Muslim views, are quite popular at the moment. They're not marginal, so he, he's he's really giving what his electorates want to some extent, and, and which is quite a scary thought. You know, the idea that society has shifted so much that. Um, being anti-Muslim, uh, having uh, laws and bills, passing laws and bills which discriminate against uh, a group, uh, a section of society, is uh, is actually a vote winner, not a vote loser. So it's a sign of our times. Uh, France isn't the only one, though France, I would say, is probably the most extreme when it comes to the, the liberal countries, those who claim to be liberals and secular. Um, it, it's, it's taken a turn for the worse. And uh, that's how we conclude with our weekly Middle East report in partnership with uh, London-based uh, Middle, Middle East Munter. And uh, speaking to us, Nassim Ahmed is a political analyst. You can also find them at www.middleeastmonitor.com. The Twitter handle is at Middle East MNT. Nassim, like always, thanks very much for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. In conversation on the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM.